1: Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King-Wassonar. I am a free agent, head coach, and analyst, as well as a contributor at Slingshot Esports. And welcome to the EU LCS quarterfinals Guest Alliance podcast presented by Slingshot. I am so excited to talk about the series that we have in front of us today. We have two powerhouses of organizations playing against each other and two dark horses that Neither of us expected a lot of when we made our preseason predictions, and they found a way. And of course, when I say us, I am referring to my good friend and co-host, Walter Ciedes Fedchuk. Walter, how are you doing, man? Dude, I am doing so good today because the teams that we're going
0: to talk about in Europe... Well, half of them are actually interesting and intriguing. Whereas in North America, it was fairly bland and fairly toast, And I find that incredibly bizarre because normally North America is the one that has the more intriguing teams to me. But no, today I get to talk about two really, really interesting teams. And I'm excited about that. Well,
1: and this is the thing, right? When we look at how the regular season in Europe broke down, yes, G2 never lost a series. But G2 also tied pretty much everybody in the league. The only teams they 2-0'd both times were Fnatic and Unicorns of Love. They are a beatable team. Splice, you know, the first half of the season was not nearly as strong as the second half. They have, you know, some noticeable flaws that you could point to. They are a beatable team. And so every single team in this tournament, you have to at least look and say they have a chance. Whereas in North America... I'll put it this way. When we're going on a rant about fiddlesticks, you know, midway through a podcast, it's not because the teams that were involved in the quarterfinals are so overwhelmingly interesting that we need to find a way to fit that one story in. I mean, it there just aren't as relevant. But these teams are. And I am looking forward to talking about them. And the first match that we have to talk about, Giants Gaming versus the Unicorns of Love, a.k.a. The two fan bases that are the most mad at us for underestimating them in the, pre- in the preseason. You know, what? no,
0: no, 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 no. Because everyone on the planet underestimated these two teams on the preseason. So let's just cut that out right now. Everyone underestimated these two teams. Let's not joke and say we were the only people on the planet that were like, oh, these teams are gonna be awful. Everyone I, thought these teams were gonna be mediocre to awful.
1: Let's be well, let's be real here. You tell that to the Unicorns of Love subreddit because they had a lot of strong words. You know, for we were the published published only people brave enough to it. post on that subreddit, so. <laughs> I, it's fair. And to be honest, if you look back, the one credit I will give us is that we say very explicitly the one way Giants gaming is is going to be a top-tier team is if Knight is just incredible. And he is the first team all-pro mid laner in Europe. He was that incredible. So he got there. Congratulations. You fulfilled your win condition. Walter, let's dive deeper into Giants here. I mean, Knight is obviously the big star of this team, and we'll get into how much he can impact the series in a little bit. But what do you see from the rest of this roster that has put them in this three seed situation?
0: See, it's been it's been breakout performances by by Smitty J and Sonstar, who were mediocre to bad uh in the spring split. And it was Maxler coming in and it, he was rough at the beginning of the split, but he really settled into his own, settled into what this team needed, and has been a, a pretty, pretty good jungler in a region that doesn't have many standout junglers left when you get outside of, uh, you know, trick and, and potentially spirit. There aren't a lot of carry junglers. It's a, it's a lot of utility. And even your main man, Jankos, he's still the first blood king, but now he's starting to give up more first bloods than he's necessarily getting. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's any overwhelming majority in, in, you know, in terms of the jungle pool in Europe. So Max Lohr has done a, a tremendous job, especially coming in as a rookie, hustling has been uh, an acceptable support. He hasn't been the best support. He hasn't been the worst support. Um, he's actually very similar to me to Hakuo over in North America where they don't need to be amazing. You don't have to be Aphromoo to be a successful support. You don't have to be you know this overwhelming guy. You just have to be pretty good at what you do. You have to have decent warding. You have to have decent engages or peeling, depending on what your composition asks for. Um, and I think it just fits in very well with the nuance of the team. But the, the primary part has been the the success of, of Sonstar and Smitty J. Knight has been awesome. Knight has pretty much been a hard carry in every single game. He's performed very well. And it seems like Sonstar and Smitty J are, are bouncing off of each other very well. Of Okay, which one of us is the secondary carry? All right, Smitty J isn't playing too well, Sonstar. All right, I guess I'll step up. Uh, and the utility eighty carries really benefited Sonstar. Um I do have to say I'm worried about them getting into the standard lane meta, which Riot has tried so hard with patch changes here coming to playoffs to enact. I'm not sure how well Smitty J and Songstar are gonna are gonna stand up to opposition when they are in you know two v two and one v one situations and that that standard meta is gonna bring.
1: Yeah, that's gonna be the key. Uh, if you want to look at overall team stats, you mentioned how Hustlin did what he needed to do for warding. Uh, Giants placed the third most wards of any team in Europe. Uh, they were averaging per minute uh, something like 3.61 wards. Uh, they had really nice dragon control. They had the third highest dragon percentage at 55%. Uh, they have the highest first blood percentage of any team in the LCS at 61%. But... And this is the downside. Their early game as far as farming has been mediocre at best. At the 10-minute mark, they're basically all okay. They're keeping even or slightly below. But they're not the kind to get big leads. And if you're expecting Star and Hustlin to bully uh, a bot lane, have fun with that. I wish you all the best. Smitty Jay, on the other hand has proven he can be a carry top laner. That's the one thing we've seen from him is that when he gets on something like a Fiora, like an Aurelia, like a Jax, he can carry very hard. And now that we're locking in these one V one matchups, I think that's actually a positive for Smitty J going forward because it means that he has to play that archetype, but whether that's going to be enough and whether he's going to be consistent enough, to be able to be the number two guy on the team that he needs to be, in my opinion, is what's really going to define this series. And he's got a tough opponent in Visit Chachi in that regard. Uh, you know, second team All Pro top laner Visit Chachi, which tells you everything you need to know about the state of the current EU top lane. Walter, when you look at what the Unicorns of Love are bringing onto the table, how are they going to try to counter what we're seeing from this Giants team? See, the problem with the Unicorns
0: of Love to me is that there's no real logic or reason to their success. <laughs> I, I, it, it's blatant. It's magic. Like I, I'm to the point where it's basically magic that makes them successful because there is no rhyme or reason to when certain players turn on and when they are playing very well. Towards the end of the season, that consistency has risen. Move has been a a rather decent jungler um, and reminds me a lot of the days on on Gravity during the regular season when he was decent, when he was really impacting his lanes. Veritas, again, it's no rhyme or reason when he's playing well, but again, utility meta. Ash, Jin, right up into his wheelhouse. It seems like the Koreans especially are really good at playing like Jin and Ash. It's kind of weird that every Korean is good at this. Um, and then Exile has been, you know, decent enough. They've been good enough. And I think part of it has been the the downswing of some of the other teams in the league have made things a little bit easier for them to qualify. Obviously, Shulk was mediocre. Vitality was awful for the majority of the season. Origin was god-awful for the majority of the season. And even, you know, Fnatic and H2K have had some struggles over the regular season. So I think they're more a product of teams around them getting worse than they are necessarily them getting better. But they played well enough. They played well enough as a team. The Hillasan and Visichachi shot-calling train is is still working. And this team, you know, again, they got into the playoffs. And, you know, they may have snuck their way in, but I think this is definitely an easier task uh, against Giants than going against Vitality in the spring
1: was. Yeah, and honestly, one of the things we have to remember is that the last time these two teams faced off, Unicorns of Love got the 2-0 back in Week 7. And it did not look like a particularly close series. That was one in which we were really expecting Giants to take it. And we started asking questions like, is Giants as good as we think they are? And it turned out over the last two weeks, yes, yes, they are. They, they put it all together when they needed to, once they were playing a much lower tier of team. But this is the problem with the Unicorns of Love and also what makes them so hard to handle is that there is no star I can point to. I know Chachi, you know, got a lot of accolades, but I think, again, that says more about the state of the top lane than it does about his play in general. I think he's good. I think he's very good. I'm not sure if I'd go so far as to say great when you compare him to other top laners around the world. Uh, Sang is a very good support. Again, I, he has games in which he blows me away with some of the calls that he makes and some of the you know, big ultimates that he's able to land. And there are games where he seems to be out of position every team fight and he's completely non-existent. But the thing that makes this team work is that you're almost certain to have one of them on their game for whatever reason, every game. And you never know which one it's going to be. You don't know if it's going to be visit Chachi or move or exile or even the occasional Veritas game, but somebody always seems to be on a run and the one thing that unicorns of love I think do better than a lot of teams even some of the teams we're going to be talking about in this playoff series is as soon as they recognize hey this is an exile game they adjust accordingly if it's a if it's a veritas game they adjust if it's a move game they play differently and more you know the way i would describe it and this is kind of the term that i always used over and over and over again when I was coaching back in the day, was they played to their win condition. They realized mid-game, okay, whatever we drafted isn't the way we're going to win anymore. The way we win is playing around, insert name of whatever player is taking a step up, and that's how they're going to do it. And they do a very good job of making those mid-to-late-game adjustments in that regard. Does it make their early game shaky? Oh, yeah, it does. Uh, Their early game rating is pretty low. In fact, it is only higher than origin and rocket. That is not where you want your early game rating to be. They do not play, you know, the first 15 minutes, the way that you would want a playoff team to look, but they are significantly improved. Once you get to the mid to late game and you really get to see them take that step forward and play a much more versatile play style, I think. It's what makes them so hard to prepare for because I can't point to the guy you need to stop, but I also can't point to the guy who is easily stopped because it's so back and forth. But Giants Gaming doesn't have that problem. They have one guy that we can very easily point to as the guy to stop, and that's Knight. Knight is almost certainly going to be the rookie of the split given the way the All-Pro votes went in. He has really become the story of, you know, Giants gaming and the EU LCS to a certain extent. Just the way that he has carried that team as Maxlord you know, got his lumps and learned how to become an actual jungler. And Smitty J remembered what it's like to play in the LCS again. Knight has been that rock for this team and has evolved from very solid to an absolute star in the mid lane what does that mean for giants as we head into this particular meta and how can unicorns of love try to stop it?
0: Well, I I look at it this way and giants very, very obviously you have to play through Knight. That is, that is their core. That is their primary player. And unfortunately for unicorns of love exile is a decent mid laner, but I don't think he is at the level that Knight is. And the same thing I think, move is a decent jungler but i don't think he's at the level of max Loris. is so you look at it that way and you go well we have to shut down knight but our 2v2 more times than not are probably going to lose so what can we do and that's going to come to your pick and ban phase which is something that we've criticized sheepy for before, before is something we've praised sheepy for before, before it's some part magic some part i don't know is there, like, a Pink Mountain Dew or something? I, I don't know what it is, but every once in a while, Sheepy <laughs> just gets on a run where he's a decent drafter. And I think against Giants, you have to try and put Knight in losing situations the best you can. You need to set up Exile where he can be successful, where he can be dominant in lane, and then you also need to set up that your jungler, when he comes to that lane, that that 2v2 is definitely going to be in their favor. Sometimes it's, okay, well, if if Maxlor goes Nidalee, then make sure you have a lease so you have the crowd control coming into the lane and pair it up with something like LeBlanc, Malzahar, whatever. Uh, So when you come into that lane, you can just CC Knight down and blow him up. Because if you let Knight run wild, you don't stand a chance. You really don't stand a chance. And the inconsistency that you've had from your, your laners. While Giants has inconsistency of their own, I think at this point, Chachi versus Smitty J is almost a wash. It's probably more dependent on the, the champion selection. And then Sonstar versus Veritas, I think, is slightly in Sonstar's favor, um, even though that that Hill-San is probably a better support than Hustling. I think these teams match up fairly well on paper outside of the mid lane, um, and it's going to come down to the champion select. It's really going to come down to putting your players in the best situation as possible, And for Unicorns of Love, I think the priority has to be on that mid lane. It has to be on making sure that Exile is in the best chance to succeed. And if he doesn't, you're going to have to have some pretty insane team fights where you instantly blow up Knight because he has the ability to solo carry team fights once you get into the mid and late game.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And if you want to look at just how different this this matchup is and in just how much of a lead Knight is likely to have over his mid lane opponent here. Knight had the highest kill participation percentage of any mid laner, 75.8%. Exile was the second lowest, only ahead of Perks at 65.9%. And unlike Perks where you can make an argument, well, his team was just getting kills all across the map, Exile didn't have that problem. He's just not in a lot of the fights that his team needs him in. Uh, we're talking 84 deaths for Knight versus 106 for Exile. A CS differential, Knight has the third highest. Meanwhile, Exile has the third lowest. Only Fabivan and Senkux are worse at the 10-minute mark in terms of CS differential. There's, It's going to be rough. The laning phase is going to be really hard unless you make this a 2v2. And the good news about these lane changes, these standard lanes that Riot is now enforcing by beating it over the head with a, a giant baseball bat is that the 2v2 could now happen in the mid lane but i don't think move is better than maxlore at this point and that's the problem that i think unicorns of love are going to have is okay you want to send move over there maxlore can just play babysitter let smitty j and Chachi battle it out i understand that last time Chachi won that battle he had a great ally game Uh, And he was able to overall overpower Smitty J. But I think Smitty J can definitely handle that matchup. Just play babysitter for Knight. Let Knight carry this game. And I don't know what Unicorns of Love does at that point. It's going to be incredibly interesting to see. Unicorns of Love, the one adjustment we might give them is I think they have a better coach. I think that Sheepy has proven time and again despite every comment we have ever made about him. And I stand by all of them. There's something about him that just, you know, when he's on, he's on. And this team did enough to make it into the playoffs because he's been doing what they need him to do. And for Giants gaming, Lozark, I I mean, there's a reason that when we talk about great coaches in the LCS, he doesn't come up. The team with Giants Gaming, and this is the fatal flaw that no one wants to talk about for a three seed, they've actually won fewer games than the four and the five seed. The reason that they are here, despite scoring the same amount of points and winning fewer games, is because they had eight 2-0s, and that's apparently more valuable than the fact that they had 7 0-2s, which means either they show up or they get crushed. and. It's one of those things where if Unicorns of Love has a plan and they take game one, I'm not sure Giants bounce back up. They have very rarely bounced back from a loss so far this split. And it's going to require uh, a composure and a willingness to make those adjustments on the fly and be ready for this series that, We just haven't seen from this organization yet. Whereas with Sheepy, for everything that he is, and he is a lot of things, he tends to be ready for these best of fives. So all of this taken into account, Walter, where did you put the line for this game? I have line
0: as Giants minus 200.
1: Okay, you get this one. There we go. I said Giants minus 240. Because I think that while Unicorns of Love did beat them the last matchup, I think Giants are the better team by mm-hmm. a significant margin. It is Giants minus 169. Hmm. Which puts Unicorns of Love at plus 130. It's a little low. See, this is where I'm, I'm going to come to you with like one It's like a little here. low. I can, we can get plus 128 for Giants to win 3-1 or better. Hmm. I mean, do we think this is a five-game series? Because
0: If Giants I, don't win game— The problem is Giants have to win game one. They have to. They have to win game one, and if not, it goes to five.
1: Or Unicorns of Love get a 3-0, and we're like, what the heck happened to the Giants unicorns, getting—
0: Unicorns it? of Love are not getting a 3-0. There will be at least one night game where he just goes off.
1: We say that, but seven times Giants proved that once they lost a game, they couldn't win one. I, I I'm just not a, I, I, it's one of those things. There are heavyweight boxers out there who are, you know, great players. They've got, you know, they've got the the jabs, they've got the shots and then they get one punch to the gut or to the head and they just fall. And I am not convinced that Giants Gaming are not those people. Fair because enough. they because if you look at it, they only won two more games than Unicorns of Love did over the course of the split this is a 19 and 17 team versus a 17 and 19 team, and the only reason Giants are in the three seed is because we break this tiebreaker by winning two zeros rather than by being more consistent throughout the split. Which, whatever, riot you do you. I I, I hate best of two, so hopefully we never have to have this problem again. But you know, I'm just not as confident. I think either Giants win big. Or I think Unicorns of Love win the series. Okay. I don't think if this is a five-game series, Giants win it. Okay. So where? So where, what are you more confident in? Are you more confident?
0: I'm more confident okay. in the Giants 3-1.
1: Okay. It's not – Because it's about the same odds. Unicorn, taking Unicorns of Love overall is plus 130. Taking Giants at minus 1.5 is plus 128. So it's really which one of those do you think is more likely?
0: I, I think it's toss up. I think it's toss up. In all honesty, it, it, it solely depends on whether or not it solely depends on who wins game one. That's what it comes down to.
1: Then let's say unicorns of love at plus one thirty because that's slightly better. Okay. If you yeah, say it's, it's a toss up, there's no it's difference. I mean, we have to yeah. pick something with value. Yeah. Let, let, I don't think it's going to five maps. I really don't. I think it's a three one and whoever wins. Okay. There you go, unicorns of love fans. We finally are, are we back on in your good graces? We say you're going to win this match. Uh, actually we're probably the opposite because they just realized I jinxed them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's very that, true. That is That's an
1: actual true. thing. We've been pretty good in here at this split. How did we do last week there, Chase? That's a very good question. Last week we went two and one. Uh we had Unicorns of Love over Splice on red side. They got the two-o against Splice, which don't know how that happened, but we're just gonna roll with it. That's the other thing I should have taken into account when making my line. I forgot that that was going to give him an obvious bump. H2K, we gave him the two over origin at plus 131. That worked out. Three. We had Giants plus 131 to get the two over Schalke. They split, but that does mean the Giants went seven and one in their last eight games. Which, if you go back and listen to everyone's favorite game show, who is the fourth best team in Europe? That is exactly what I said they were going to do. They and the only out to reason the they're third not best the team in Europe. Team, Yeah, well, because Fnatic threw, and we're going to get there now. But just for the record, ladies and gentlemen at home, if you bet on every bet we've given you in Europe, you would have $914 more than you do today. You put $100 bets on everything. Even if you took the $300 hit in North America, you'd still be up $600 at this point. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that as a victory for this podcast. took us a while. Europe we struggled with early on, but we figured it out. So... Hopefully, we're going to make you more smart money with the Unicorns of Love. Otherwise, it's just another thing Unicorns of Love will dislike me personally for, and it'll be great. We're going to move on to the battle of teams that I don't know what to say about where they are. I don't want to pick this series. Can can we just not have a smart money bet? Is the smartest money bet to just not bet on this series? Because, you know, in this corner, with weighing 2,000 pounds, you have a team that is starting an eighty carry that most players on the team have actively talked about disliking playing with. And when asked if he would return, they said things like, It's complicated, not, yeah, sure, we'd love to have him back. And in the other corner, we have a team that used to pride itself on having its amazing coach and a great support staff, and now the coach and manager have left the week before the playoffs, which is never a good sign. That is never a positive in any situation. Walter, of those two... (laughs) What the heck is happening to Europe? (laughs) Which one of those situations is more alarming to you? Oh,
0: definitely coach and manager. Definitely the coach and manager. The fact that it's both of them at one time and it's both of them stepping down, granted, it could be Fnatic fired them, but it's just like, okay, you guys can go out on your own terms. Like, we'll let you say you step down. Uh, It's extremely alarming, though, that the coach and manager, they, they wouldn't stick around through the playoffs. It's very, very weird. And it's very curious, and I wonder what their preparation is going to be like. Especially like when you said this is a this is an organization that has always prided itself on the support staff, on the the group of you know the staff that's around the players and the players themselves. And this very you know it's the fanatic culture. It's very San Antonio Spurs. We always anytime we bring up fanatic, we always bring up the San Antonio Spurs. But that's the comparison, and this is very very weird. This is very very alarming to me. Um, why they just wouldn't stay through so, just through the playoffs? Fine, don't stay through the gauntlet if you don't if you guys don't want to, But at least through the playoffs, because you're in a position where the team that does not win this series is is definitely going to the gauntlet. And even if you win this series, there is a chance that if some other placements happen, you might not make that automatic you know second point uh, placement. And make it on into into worlds just on an automatic qualifier, and that's very unlikely. Just because Origin did take second, and those points are now gone, um, so it's very unlikely that one of these teams won't make that that automatic qualifier. But there still is a chance. Um, when you think about H two K situation, I guess we could start with H two K. Is yeah, fine, whatever. People hate playing. W- you know, people hate working with people all the time, and they hate playing with who they, you know, play with all the time. It happens. You know, the greatest immortal enemies can can make it work if they have a common goal that is strong enough for them. And I think for H2K, for these players in particular, for Yonkos, for Vander, for Forgiven, um, I think that making worlds is way more important than any beef that may be going on behind the scenes. And Riot has done H2K a tremendous favor by making this meta change, making it into a standard laning meta, when h2k is probably picking up the best you know mono imano ad carry in at least the West if not maybe the world
1: forgiven is Ooh. proven
0: time Ooh. and time again
1: Kelsey I, Moser just got so mad I, at you right now
0: maybe imp like maybe I can give it to imp and I don't watch enough China so I'm going by my very thin lens fine whatever get pissed off at me I don't care whatever. <laughs> I'll make an incendiary statement. Who cares? Anyways, at least in the West, at least in the West, he is probably the best, mano mono. get me in a 2v2 laning situation against another 80 carry, and I'm going to make them cry.
1: And now G2 is mad at you because no one's been better at that than Sven this entire split. And we can't forget. Like, here's, here's the thing. I feel if like you're taking were crazy pills If you're quitting this. on
0: Origin one more time, I'm going to strangle you.
1: I'm going to do it he quit one week into the season cuz he said he didn't care about the game anymore and put together one of the worst week 1 performances we've ever seen from an AD carry. He was terrible. His stats in that in those games were absolutely atrocious. Let's read out the stat line, shall we? Uh he played 4 games, 40% kill participation. He went 5-2 and 7 over 2 game after over 4 games, which means across 4 games he got less than He had 1.25 kills per game, so completely unimpactful. He was ahead in CS at 10 minutes, but behind in gold. His damage per minute was atrocious. His damage percentage for his team was atrocious. He was terrible. He was non-existent and a non-entity, and I don't understand why having one good week means that we're going to ignore the fact that he also had one of the worst weeks we've ever seen, and according to what we heard... And according to what he said in a Facebook post, he wasn't in the gaming house this week. He went back home to go to Greece for a little bit. Why should we feel good about this? What what about this is giving positive vibes other than he's forgiven and we have to just trust that he so, will be so, a God-tier guy because he always is, except
0: this time he wasn't. Because he's in a 2v2 laning situation. I'll put it this way. The teams that Forgiven is on excel at tower pushing. Riot has now made it where if you don't take the standard lane, you can get punished on basically a coin flip of who moves slightly faster to get into that appropriate lane swap status and take that first tower. That first blood gold is kind of impactful in the early game. So you're being given a choice here, Fnatic. You can either attempt to do the lane swap and maybe lose out on that first blood gold. Or you are putting Reckless and Yellow Star, who I by far the most passive bot lane duo in europe against forgiven and you can say all you want about him quitting on origin early on the season we don't know the full story about what's going on there you can say everything you want about him going back to greece fine whatever but when push comes to shove in the laning phase forgiven wrecks kids he has a tremendously high cs differential per 10 it has never been a problem laning phase when it comes to Forgiven's teams. It has always been a problem of team fighting, going into that after you take out the inner towers. What do they do next? How do they fight around barons? That has always been their problem. Mm-hmm. Fnatic is showing that that is a problem for them too right now. And when you match that up and you say, okay, both of that is a wash because they both have issues there. It's kind of a toss-up. We'll see what happens. And then you say, okay, well, now let's judge the laning
1: phases. Forgiven always has a lead coming out of laning phase. Uh, you know, Barry, yeah, I mean, Other than the week that he didn't, yeah, you're right. One, other than the week this season, which was one, week one si- of two weeks one we week, saw him, one week, 50% of the sample one size. One week
0: in a situation where he left that team. 50% of year. the split. Ah, dude, I just,
1: look, I, I, when I like when he came man. back and played for H2K, he freaking killed it. Okay, he killed it. And you know what he did for an entire split at H2K? He never won it. a playoff series. He killed they, it. He they the lost game. every playoff series they had when Forgiven was on this roster and it was exactly the same team except Yankos and Vander have taken a step back this season. Like, are we just...
0: Like, we can't still ignore still this. Tell me why Fnatic is going to win this series. Like,
1: give me the reason why Fnatic is winning this series I'm because I'm telling you why H2K is going to win this because, because the standard lanes means that Spirit can just gank him and make his life miserable. That's what it means. Because now that we have standard lanes, Kikis is just fine on his own. Odo plays super safe. Ryu plays super safe. You don't need to worry about ganking for Forbiven. Both of those guys have been proven to get lanes for themselves. So you're just going to get Spirit down, and your goal is to tilt Forgiven off the face of the earth, which has happened in every playoff series he's ever played in. It, it's so easy to see how this team falls apart because it's happened every single time he's been in the playoffs, and they just handed him to Spirit on a silver platter. Now, you can say everything you want about Fnatic's team fighting being off, and they looked terrible in that last week against H2K. I am not going to deny that in the slightest. But no team in LCS history has prepped for big game series more consistently and more appropriately than Fnatic.
0: Chase, how do you do that without a coach?
1: You have Nico the Pico, who's been here for over a, for a month and a half and was a former origin coach. He's not some rookie that's coming out of nowhere. Whoa, it's not whoa, like Daylor whoa, has whoa, it. For uh-huh. Origin
0: coach, let's just rewind that real quick. So you're saying that Origin gave him the, the amount of coaching experience necessary to prep this team on the same level that Daylor would have had it prepared
1: for. That Daylor I'm gonna has had a month to teach him how to do this. And Daylor clearly didn't have the passion to do it. And I'm not saying that Nico the Pico is going to be Daylor. But every single one of these players, for Biven, Reckless, Yellow Star... They all step up in the playoffs. Every year, their playoff stats are a significant step up from the regular season because Fnatic realized a long time ago the goal is to get there. And as soon as they get there, they were the sixth seed last split. They were playing in a series against Vitality that they were supposed to get crushed in, and they pulled off a 3-0. Because this is what Fnatic does—they walk through the regular season because they know it doesn't matter as long as you qualify, and then they make a huge leap forward. And every time we're supposed to pretend to be surprised by it. I don't. Doing I, it again. don't I
0: don't see the leap happening. I do.
1: There's been nothing
0: over the course of this entire split that has given me any hope that Fnatic are going to somehow magically make a leap. There was no point sure. in this regular season where Fnatic were playing so well that I'm like, oh, I don't want to play them in the playoffs. I don't want to play them in the playoffs. If you're telling me I can play H2K or Fnatic right now today in the current meta, I am taking Fnatic every single time because I am scared to death of what Forgiven's going to do to my ADK. I am scared to death of that. And just because he had one bad week on a team that he obviously did not want to be a part of and they ended up not wanting to have a part of him, you cannot completely wash away everything that he is able to do in the landing phase. I will admit, he has never won a playoff series. You're 100% correct on that. He has never won a playoff series. But there is no reason in my mind for me to believe that Reckless and Yellow Star can stand a chance against Vander and Forgiven. Not a chance. Well, that's
1: where Spirit comes in, and, and that's and where Yankos, Yankos is just in the camp on too. Then, like, and I and Spirit has been better than Yankos for most of the split. Yankos and Vander, we have talked this entire season about how they don't look like the same guys. You just mentioned in the opening of the podcast how Yankos gives up more first bloods than he gets nowadays. Why does that make you feel better? And for the record, except for the last two weeks. Fnatic was a terrifying team in Europe. In week four, they were the top team in the standings. They were second for more, for more weeks this split than any other team. Other than G2, they spent the most time in the top two seeds of the European playoffs. And they replaced I their
0: top laner, and they replaced their coach, and they replaced their manager, and they're now going into a meta in which is perfectly tailor-made for Forgiven.
1: Sure. I, I mean, I yes. I, I believe in the whole... Replacing the coach is a problem. I think the top laner is not going to be as big of a deal going forward because they now had two weeks to do nothing but get kickers. You've been the guy that's been saying Spirit is miserable because they benched his friend. (laughs) That's fair. But you know what Spirit (laughs) doesn't want to do? Lose a playoff series. I don't. I genuinely believe that if he's ever going to get over it, it'll be because the playoffs are here. And he knows that he is the guy that needs to play that game.
0: Why is Spirit more apt to get over it in this situation than Forgiven is when every single playoff series that he's played in, he's had to deal with lane swaps. He has very rarely gotten a chance to punish an opposing laner straight up for five games.
1: How about the fact that Spirit's won a playoff series before? In China, which is arguably more competitive than Europe is right now by a significant margin. Spirit has stepped up in big moments. We've seen it end his career on the best World Elite teams that existed back in season four. Like he's really good. He, you know, I, I mean, look, I get it. I, I just want to say,
0: the last time World Elite made the uh, made Worlds was season two. Just want to. I didn't say made Worlds, there. but I know, but like, I just oh, want. I, I just want
1: to throw that out there as a little. The last under, time, forgive me, Worlds argument. was zero. They never did. Yankos never did. Vander never <laughs> did. You could say Oduamne and Ryu, I guess, did it, but Ryu's taken a step back, and Oduamne is quoted by Thorin as the most underachieving top laner in EU LCS history. I, I, I guess my point is, last split, if we were to play back the tape, if you go, go back, go listen to us talking about the EU LCS quarterfinals, and all of the points you made of, I don't see Fnatic making a boost. I don't believe in this team. They've shown nothing to believe that they're going to be able to win this series. We make the exact same points. It's the exact same thing because we always do this with Fnatic. And we forget that even if the head coach went down, they still have some of the highest quality analysts. They have one of the best gaming houses. They have a structure and an organization that has bred these guys to be monsters in the playoffs. That's what Fnatic does. That is what they have done since the inception of their League of Legends team. No matter who's been on it, they took Steelback to an EU f- Championship, like back when Steelback wasn't good.
0: You mean Steelback top 380 carry in Europe? Steel yeah,
1: like like that was who he was back then. We we can pretend that there was no growth in between those two points if you'd like, but I, I look, we clearly are on the other end of this series. I I just <laughs> to me. I think that Fnatic's done this so many times and I'm not being fooled by it again. And meanwhile, I'm not trusting Forgiven in a playoff series anymore. I'm just not. How many times have we been fooled by that? How many times? This is the one. And this H2K team is not as good as the H2K team that lost to Fnatic last split. They're just not. Yankos hasn't been there. Vander hasn't been there. Ryu is maybe just about where he was now that the meta shifted in his favor. Whereas Forbidden. At any time can go back to being the hard carrying self that we've he's proven he has been over a two-year LCS career. Reckless and Yellowstar, they might not be very aggressive, but they also don't give up a lot of deaths in lane. So Forgiven's gonna hard carry. It's gonna have to be through power farming. And if he's aggressively farming the way that he has in previous playoff series, let's not forget that the last time we saw Forgiven in the playoffs, where he was in those that hard carry kind of meta and he was in an ability where the 80 carry was someone who could single-handedly win games, he never trusted his team, he extended way too far and kept dying for it and took an SK gaming team that is arguably the most talented team he's ever been on and flopped out of the playoffs. I don't trust him in this moment. I do not trust that H2K team after what we saw last playoffs, and I do trust the fanatic system even with Daylor out of it. Because the Fnatic system existed before Daylor, it will exist after Daylor. It's just what Fnatic does. That is true. That is completely I, I, I'm true. I'm giving you the floor for the counter-argument, because I know there is one, and I just went on my rant. I'm, I'm giving you your chance. The,
0: the, the counter-argument is that Forgiven over the course of his career has almost always averaged a 9 CS differential at 10 minutes. In the entire time of his career when he's been playing in an 85% lane swap. Meta, where teams are are blatantly trying to swap out. Like I said earlier, Fnatic will have a choice of either risk losing that first blood gold on the tower or sending Reckless to the Wolves. And if there's any moment where Forgiven has a chance, he hasn't wasted all of his good games on the regular season. We, 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 we make that statement you know before about, oh, yeah, it seems like he gets to week four or five, and then all of a sudden he starts tra- trailing off until you know right towards the end where he picks it up for a game or two before the playoffs start. He hasn't wasted any of that. I think you can say as much as Spirit is as motivated as ever to get into the playoffs. I think you can say the same thing for Jankos. I think you can say the same thing for Vander. I think you can say the same thing for Forgiven. They now have a chance here to make it to Worlds on an automatic big qualifier. I think that would be massive. Massive for them. Not only is their legacy of players, um, but just for their their mindsets in general. I think it would be huge historically for those players when we look back on them you know, two years from now. And you're doing it. You are doing it. I I I will say it again because this is the biggest thing in my mind. Fnatic just lost their coach on on when they are a meta swap when it is a major meta change. This isn't a minor meta change. This is a major meta change going into the playoffs. This is huge. You are basically saying that everything that you, we have been doing as a team for about a year and a half, almost two years, is completely done. You're not going to lane swap anymore, so how do you deal with that? And you are going against a guy who it's his bread and butter, it is his namesake, to chew on kids during the laning phase and make you decide, are you going to take damage from me or are you going to get that farm? We've talked about it before, he is excellent at when it comes to manipulating waves during the laning phase to make sure when he has a minion that he can kill it is not when you have a minion you can kill he staggers them to the point where he can get his auto attacks off to get his farm and then challenge you when you go get your farm vander is just as aggressive in the laning phase and maybe they hate each other's guts but they're both really aggressive in the laning phase and they really like to get on top of enemy laners and reckless and yellow star are just too passive and you can say all you want about Spirit's just going to come down and gank the high hell out of him. Guess what? Yakos can do the exact same thing. And sure, Spirit probably will be bringing a little bit more damage, but Forgiven's going to be bringing a hell of a lot more damage when he has an 800 gold leaded laning phase at 10 minutes when Spirit is likely to make that second or third gank. Forgiven has not been a carry guy this split at all. There's not been one moment where I go, oh yeah, that's the Fabivan we thought was going to be the best top, lan- the best mid laner in-, in Europe. There's not been a moment this season where I've thought that. He's been decent, he's been solid, but he has been primarily utility, primary playing around the rest of his team. He has not been the, I'm going to carry this game by myself. Maybe that changes. Maybe we go to a one three one one split push where he gets on Lissandra, he gets on Kassadin, and we see some Fabivan of old, but I just have not seen it this split. Yeah.
1: So and to back that up, he's only doing twenty seven point two percent of his team's damage, which makes him the lowest amongst all active mid laners. Exactly. So, so. I, I will absolutely concede the point that Fabivan has not been a carry mid laner. But we know a lot of champions in which he has been in the past, and we also know that playoff fanatic has always been better than regular season fanatic, You know what? I like this. This is the most we've disagreed on a a series in a long time. And this is what happens in the playoffs, right? Like, these two teams had the exact same win rate over the course of an entire season. They played one tiebreaker game in which, you know, H2K got the smash. That happened. It doesn't really affect anything other than side choice. And now we get to see, does H2K, do we finally get the monkey off of the back of forgiven Yankos, and Vander? Or does Fanatic do what Fanatic does? And I'm so I'm so glad that we disagree as strongly as we do because it means that one of us is going to have a lot more fun on next week. <laughs> and that's really what what I want from this. I want one of us to be ecstatic and one of us to be like, I don't know why I thought the way I did because clearly the other side was so obvious. I love it. Where do you put the line, Walter?
0: So I have the line... At H2K minus 145.
1: Okay, you got this one and with it the week. Boom shakalaka. For the record, I had H2K at minus 180 because (laughs) I thought they smashed Fnatic in the last week. I think Fnatic had a really rough last two weeks and I figured that we were going to get an adjustment there in that regard. The line is H2K minus 125. Totally fair. Fnatic is the underdog at minus 105. Totally fair. Because here's the truth of it, guys. As as funny as it is and as as passionate as we get arguing back and forth on this, the truth is that these teams are both incredibly close. And, And either one of our arguments could be correct. And the reason that there's almost an equal number of bets on both sides and the line is as close as it is is because either one of us could be right and either one of us could feel really stupid next week. And I'm so glad that we're on opposite sides of it. I feel like we, we, represent we rarely it. are on opposite
0: sides of arguments like this.
1: Yeah. Usually, at least we understand. Like, I just, you know, I, I think here's the good news. The over four and a half maps is plus one sixty-five. Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah. I, I think no matter what you say uh, about this series, plus one sixty-five. Or the chance of this going to five games when literally anything is possible, I'll take that in a heartbeat. I don't I'm certainly not betting on either of these teams with a handicap. I mean, I suppose if you really, really wanted, you could take Fnatic No, no, there's no odds for it. If you really believed in H2K, you could take H2K minus one and a half at plus one sixty five, which is the same odds for it going to a five game series, and I think a five game series is more likely than H2K winning 3-1 or better. Because there's always that chance playoff fanatic shows up. So that's a podcast. That was fun. I I enjoy it when we get to really duke it out on here. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did, you should subscribe on soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or on iTunes if you search for rough drafts under the podcast section there. Uh, You can also find us on social media. I'm at redshirtking on Twitter. Where can the nice people at home find you, Walter? You guys can find me at CADs underscore LOL, where I'm sure I will be
0: laughing every time Forgiven has a lead at 10 minutes at you.
1: Forgiven having a lead at 10 minutes is not the thing that determines who wins the series. They don't just end the game at 10 minutes and say, oh, you yes, we I guess they win. Yeah, I'm a non-believer. I, the evidence says Forgiven blows this series. He can prove me wrong, and I'd love if he did because it'd make for a much more fun legacy than the guy who never won a playoff series and never stepped up when it mattered most. It would be more fun to be wrong. So
0: he be I, Charles Barkley. Got it.
1: We'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll find out. And if you want to see us going back and forth about this live, you should definitely be following us at Rough Drafts Pod. That's where you'll get all of our podcast news and you'll get our live reactions. That's where we do all of our live tweeting so that those of you who want to follow our social media accounts don't feel completely inundated with things uh, if you're not the kind who likes live tweeting or you want to be spoiler-free. So follow at Rough Drafts Pod, And don't forget to follow Slingshots Esports as well. Uh, we are so glad to have them as our presenting sponsors. They have done so much great material. Right now, they've gone all in on the international, and it's been the only thing that's kept me even remotely close to understanding what's going on in that particular tournament, just because I don't follow Dota two pretty much at all. Uh, there have a lot of really talented writers. I'm very excited to be able to be a part of this site and you should go check all of that out, including the write-ups that we do every week. Some of you guys who've been subscribed to the podcast for forever might not know this, but we actually write an article to go with every episode, uh, that really breaks into, you know, kind of the themes of the week and everything that we're thinking about the overall state of affairs going into series. So, we, I th- we think you'll like that. Check that and everything else out at Slingshot Esports. And don't forget if you go to unicorn.com and you do better than us on the week, tweet it at us, man. Show us how why you guys should be the ones making smart money bets if you think that you can beat our pretty astounding $914 profit. But we will be back next week. We've got some semifinals action to break down. I cannot wait for a whole bunch of League of Legends to come our way. And until next time, goodbye, Internet.